welcome to the Beautiful Life Podcast. This message is by Nigel Desmond. Wow. Okay, let's welcome Nigel. that gorgeous wife of mine carrying tables and so um, it's really interesting because uh, the, the topic that I, I about a week or two weeks ago I thought you know I'm, I want to speak about the power of weakness and um, I, I, I'm going to really start choosing my sermon titles a lot more carefully um, in the future because a couple of years ago the Lord told me that I'm a signs and wonders prophet and that if, if, if I pray for signs and wonders, I must just be ready to be the sign that makes you wonder. <laughs> so on Friday I slipped a disc. <laughs> so for literally the last two days, um, last three days I just been like kind of flat in my bed, like I wasn't even sure if I was going to make it to church today. So David's got all kind of backup plans in the head, you know. In case I, I'm going to run. So, I, I'm just actually really blessed to be here this morning. Um, yeah, and there was, I was thinking maybe of just, you know, staying at home. <laughs> so, I, I thought I'd start with a couple of testimonies from last week because um, me and Carol went up to um, Joburg uh, yesterday. We were preaching at a church up there uh, last weekend. What did I say? Yes, I did last weekend. As I was saying, the power of weakness. Um, <laughs> And uh, we were preaching in a church that um, the pastor sent me a message and said, our church has had um, varying degrees of exposure to the Holy Spirit, so you may have to do more explanation than necessary. And, and you know, I was getting the distinct message that there was a little bit of nervousness about us coming. And, uh, well, it was really awesome because... You know, Holy Spirit has a way of making people who are novices look like they are fully experienced. And uh, so in the afternoon we did a leaders meeting. And as I was just sharing, uh, the presence of God just started dropping on the leaders across the room. And started with a guy in the back row. He, he was just sitting there and he just lost it. And he, just, he was just laughing. The joy hit him. And uh, then as it hit him, these two children that were at the front, just the joy hit them. And I tell you, there's just something wonderful about watching Holy Ghost joy drop on two children. Because children, they're not going to fake it for you. They're not going to, you know, not that adults do, but I mean, it was just wonderful to watch these two little girls just get lost in the joy. And then we saw some other fun things um, during the ministry time. Um, we, um, we got all the leaders to line up in a circle around the outside and uh, Carol went that way and I went that way and this one guy came to me after and he said, you know, when Carol stood in front of me and began to pray for me, she disappeared and there was just Jesus there. Isn't that cool? Isn't that just a good testimony? So of course I told Carol that and she went, <laughs> so that was really fun. But then um, another one that I really enjoyed, there was a lady there and Every now and then the Lord gets me to do weird things, you know, and, you know, and I'm standing in front of her and I hear the Lord say, I want you to give her a kiss on her forehead. Now, this is a married lady and I'm thinking, ah, Jesus, something inappropriate, you know. And um, anyway, I called her husband over 
And I said, listen, I feel like this Lord and Lord, I need your permission. And they're like, yeah, well, whatever. So, you know, she, she's fine. She's like, oh, okay, yeah, he's like, yeah, go for it. So I give her a kiss on her forehead, and then in the presence of the Lord just hits this lady. And she just dissolves onto her husband's chest. She's going, and it's like an ugly cry, you know? You know what I'm saying? Just, you know, the father's love just hit her, and just stuff came up. She just had a real profound touch of father's love. It was beautiful to watch, you know? I, I, I must admit, when I'm ministering prophetically, um, that's what I like the most is it's like standing there and watching Jesus do his thing. Just to be in the room is such a privilege uh, to watch people love, uh, watch Jesus love people. And then the, the other one that I really enjoyed in this, in this particular leaders meeting was um, there was a German lady there and uh, we were ministering to her and as I'm ministering to her, I just, I saw gold dust above her. It was just like a flash. I saw gold dust in the spirit above her. So I said, I see gold dust over you. Let's look at your hands. And I look at her hands, and initially there's nothing on her hands. And then I noticed just by her ring finger, there was just a tiny, just a couple of sparkles. I said, there it is, there it is. And uh, she, she told me after she saw it, and she kind of went, by the way, why I'm sharing this, just keep checking your hands, because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, so you may get gold dust on you as I share this. And so um, and she said, there it is. And she looked, and she thought, oh, my Oh, shame for Nigel, that's actually my makeup. I'm sure it's my makeup. And uh, she, she didn't tell me that. She was feeling sorry for me. But then as, she, as I just carried on celebrating and as we watched, she did move her hand. Um, her makeup started multiplying. <laughs> and uh, it started spreading across her hands and up her fingers and on the back of her hands. And she was like, okay, maybe it's not my makeup. And by the end of the service, her hands were just literally covered. And there's even on her watch strap, up her, went up her arm. And she just got a radical touch with God's love. And um, it, it's interesting because I've often seen this particular miracle. Um, I, I, you know, I've often seen a link between people who are just uh, looking for a breakthrough from depression. And um, I mentioned it to her. I said, you know, I've just seen this in the past. And she said, that's really funny because that's really what I'm, break- I'm getting healing from now. Um, she was just really needing breakthrough uh, from depression. and uh, So that was, that was really tremendously fun. And she told me the next day, she went back home and she was like, okay, I'm going to check this out. She went and had a shower and she got the soap and she really washed her hands and she you know, towel dried and scrubbed her hands and she was like making sure this isn't makeup or anything. And the moment she got up the shower, bam, it was back. So... God sometimes just comes and does surprising things. Amen? Yeah. The what? Oh, yes, and there was, a, there was another couple. Oh, this was really fun. Um, there was this uh, couple, and it's so funny because he comes, he's really tall, the guy, he's really a tall guy, but he always comes to my meetings because I was in Joe earlier in the year, and he told me when he came in the beginning of the year, he, didn't, he, he came up to me and told me, I don't know why I'm here. I didn't want to come here. <laughs> uh, I don't believe him. I mean, he's like, he had a bit of an attitude, you know, it's like, no. But he, he said, I don't know, I just ended up, ended up here. So he tries to kind of stay away from me. But he's so tall, he sits at the back. And I tell you what, there's something that sticks out. A tall guy right at the back, it, you know, you might as well walk in with a hat on with pink knee, you know, with electric lights. Or something. So, <laughs> 
And at the beginning of the year, I called him from the back and he was like, like seriously? Him and his wife came up and God just gave me their and then I said, well, what are you trusting for? And they just, and they, they had, were trusting for a baby. I can't remember how long they were, they were and struggling. And they, they, were, they were doing the right procedure, but no results. And, and, um, and they were trusting for children. And uh, so I asked him, so how's it going since then? And he said, well, um, she got pregnant three weeks after you prayed. And he started a new job, new business. He started a, uh, an outreach in his uh, in his business, and I've already got 25 people coming to uh, the, uh, to the cell group. So isn't God just such a good God? Also oh, funny, the second time he was there, he was still at the back and he was still hiding. Uh, hey, come on, come on. Uh, and I can't hide from this guy. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't prophetic. It's just like he's so tall. So um, I want to I want to speak about one of the great Biblical keys to power. Who wants to move in the power of God? I, I, I really believe that God is wanting to release in the body of Christ whole new levels of power. But there, there is something that has, that I, I mean, one of the greatest hindrances to Christians moving in the power of God is, is this thing of strength. You see, the majority of the body of Christ have. Um, disqualified themselves from moving in the power of God because they are so fixated on their weakness. They are so fixated on their own weakness or they are so fixated on their own strength. And so we are always approaching the Lord. We, we kind of come to the Lord and we come to other Christians and we put our best foot forward. Now, I'm going to slip disc at the moment so I'm not quite sure which foot that would be. But... You know, we, we always, with other Christians, we always like, how do you How do you pull up? Awesome. Awesome. Man, prayed for an hour. Of course, we finished the sentence and I had cumulatively over the last few months. <laughs> Doing really good. And, and, and so, we've got this facade on of strength. And, and, and we, we continue trying to impress one another. But what's more tragic is we try to impress the Lord. We try to impress the Lord with, uh, with our strength, thinking that the Lord is disgusted with our weaknesses. And, and I want to tell you that when you think that God is disgusted with your weaknesses, you misunderstand the gospel. You misunderstand why you need Jesus and what the gospel is all about. You see, the gospel is not God coming to you to improve your performance. The gospel is God coming to you to fill up your weakness. You, you see, what, what, what happened was, originally when man was created, he was made to know God. Your whole body, your whole being has been made to be plugged into God. Without God, you are deeply deficient. You are deeply deficient. And you just need to get over that. <laughs> You just need to accept it. Because some of us are trying to fake the idea that somehow we have something in ourselves to offer to God. We even do it with other people. We're like, well, you know, only that person will come to Jesus. He'll be such an answer to the kingdom. And like Jesus is going, wow, man, if only I've got everyone on my team. <laughs> yeah, I feel so handicapped without him. 
The reality is, is each of us was created to live in union with God. That, that the, the original design of man, Adam and Eve in the garden, they were created for ongoing, 24-7, continued fellowship with God. So, so Adam was made to be indwelled with the power and the presence of God. The temptation in the garden was, hey, you can be like God without God. That was the temptation. If you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The temptation was that without God, you can be like God. That is religion. That is not Christianity. And so, what, the amazing thing was, the first thing God declared over Adam and Eve was, I am going to make man in my image. So you were created to be like God. And not only that, but they were walking in union with God. They were, they were eating of the tree of life. Who is the tree of life? Jesus is the tree of life. So at every moment, He was imbued and empowered by the presence of God in His life, and the life of God would flow, uh, flow in Him. And He was like God, effortlessly, upheld by the power and the presence of God. But in the garden, He stepped away, and He decided, hey, you know what? I can do this. I can do this. And He stepped up and He said, I'm going to become like God, without God. Now you see, what, what we do today is we try to bring our strengths to God and we polish our weaknesses. We try to get better. Anyone ever had an area in your life that you're working on and you're just trying to get better at it? You're trying to get better at it? You're trying to get better at it? And that's, it's that area that you always bring to the Lord and it's that area that you use and you say, oh Lord, I don't know how you can use me because man, I'm, I'm just not good at this. The reality is is that without God, you will never be good at that. You, you know, you cannot stop being a sinner without God. But when God fills you, when His presence is in you, God comes and fills up your area of weakness. Turn with me in your Bible to um, Hebrews 11, and we're going to read verse 34. Actually, we're going to start in verse 32 and then we're going to go into verse 34. Alright. This is the heroes of faith. Why do we need faith? What does faith do? Faith connects you to what God is offering you. Faith says, I believe that I am who you say I am. I believe that you are who you say you are. And even better, I believe that in you I am who you say and you are who you say you are in me. This is amazing. Okay, verse 32 says, And what more shall I say? For <laughs> time would fail me. I, I can read. Fail me to tell them um, Gideon, Barak, Man, I didn't realize the president, the ex-president of America was in there. Um, Samson, Jephthah, uh, Samuel, who through faith conquered kingdoms and forced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of, of the sword, and were made strong out of weakness, 
it's an extraordinary thing that the theme of being made strong out of weakness actually goes right the way through the scriptures. Right the way through scriptures. By faith, we are made strong out of our place of, uh, of weakness. See, what happens is for, for many of us is because we are so fixated on our area of weakness and on others' weaknesses, two things happen. One, we always, when we're with other people, we're always putting on our, our strong facade. And when we're with the Lord, we, we, are, we are withdrawing because we know we're not that good. We disqualify ourselves. Man, my prayer life's not great. My, uh, my study of the, the Word's not that great. I, I don't know the Bible uh, that well. Or we, we judge others like, you know, oh, man, he's so insecure. She's so in, insecure. Hey, just like there's no one in here who's ever suffered from insecurity. Let, let's be honest. All of us at some time struggle with our insecurities, our weaknesses, our fears, and our failures. This is life, and it's normal. And, and yet, we think that these are things that disgust God. They don't. Do you know that God's Spirit is actually attracted to your weaknesses? If you will yield your weakness to God, God's Spirit is attracted to that area of weakness so that He may come in and fill it. That's the very place He can connect and you know, it's actually encouraging because I must admit, when I look at my life, I sometimes feel like there's more areas of weakness than there are of strength. Does anyone ever feel like that? I, I'm, admit, I, I'm like that all the time. I'm thinking, man, if I'm going to connect with God on the basis of my strength, He's got so little to work with. But when He comes into His night, like, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Which is in the Bible. My power is made perfect in weakness. That's good news. I'm like, Jesus, you've got so much to work with. This is exciting. Man, you have got a full-time job. This is an amazing day for you. Isn't that good? And you see, but what we need to do is we need to get over our strength. Because you see, the problem with, with when we relate to God on the, strength, uh, on the basis of there's a couple of problems. Firstly, there is only room on the throne of your life for one. <laughs> there's only room on the throne for one. And when you want to relate to life and to God and to others on the basis of your strength, basically saying, I'm in control, I've got this, Jesus. Don't worry, hey, hey Jesus, I've got this one. It's, yeah, it's okay, I've got, I've got this. I'm good, I'm good, I've got it. And Jesus said, would you like help with that? They're not, hey, But it's amazing how <laughs> the Lord can remind you of your weakness in just a moment. We hate those moments. We hate those moments when, when suddenly we are confronted with our weakness, our fallibility, uh, when, when man, you get the, you know, I, I, I often find myself in a position where I mean, I, I, I'm so privileged. I get to travel around the world and preach in different places and everything. And, you know, sometimes you, you begin believing your own publicity. <laughs> or the publicity of other people. You know, you, someone, you know, introduces you and you think, oh, you, man, that's intimidating. I've got to live up to that now. 
And I've followed myself many times. I feel really confident. Oh, I'm going to have such a great time. Oh, I'm going to such and such country. And as soon as I get there, I suddenly, I'll be honest with you, I get there and I go, I'm even here. What a god, oh, I got nothing. I don't have any of these people. You should see the expected little faces. It's, it's scary. It's scary. They actually think I'm a man of God. Please, kids. I want to come home. I'll be honest with you. That's often how I feel. Ask my wife. I got nothing. You got a word for me? Yes. Go away. Come on, let's say. Jesus! Hey, hang on a moment, I'll be right back to you. I thought you wanted me to give you a word. <laughs> but, when you will get off the throne of your life, and you will surrender that place to Jesus, and you say, Lord, I, I understand I've got nothing, but I know Lord, that in union with you, wherever I go, if I will, if I will just humble myself before you and say, oh Lord Jesus, would you come and be on the throne of my life? Would you surprise me with your goodness? I'll be honest with you. Now this is going to really surprise you. I cannot manufacture gold dust on people's hands. I, I, I know some of you, I have disillusioned you deeply now. But he can. He can. I mean, I'll be honest. When God starts doing miracles like that and you're in the room and you're the one doing the praying, no one's more shocked than you. <laughs> I remember a good friend of mine, he, was, he, he went on his first uh, mission trip to um, uh, Lesotho and he, he felt like the Lord wanted to do some healing. And by the way, if you need healing in your body today, we're going after healing. All of us. I want not pay back for the last three days. So you feel free to get healed during the message. Just don't wait for the end. Just go ahead, grab your healing right now. And if you do get healed, just put your hand up and say, yeah, I just got healed, okay? And we'll carry on and we'll just rejoice with you. So this friend of mine, he says, who, who needs healing? And he's, tra- he's thinking maybe a couple of colds, a couple of headaches, etc. And the lady at the back of the meeting says, yeah, he says, what do you need healing for? She says, I'm blind. And he's like inside, he's going, oh, years ago now, quite a few years ago, long, long time ago, long, long time ago, 
I was uh, I was in Cape Town, and um, I'm going to tell a story. This, this, this is, okay, it's, it's worse about me, but I'm sorry, darling, in advance. It's one of our stories. So Saturday, one day, um, we were down to Cape Town. We had come to a pastors' conference, and we are driving down Main Road, and there's a cyclist coming down the road. And I was going through a stage where I was feeling quite good about being Pastor Nigel, you know. I was feeling quite, like, you know, quite holy. And my wife um, is driving and she changes lane without correctly observing in the side lane. And let, let me put it this way, the cyclist who was right next to her almost died. <laughs> so we pull up at the lunch and this guy comes screeching to a halt and gets off his bike and he starts laying into my wife and he's like shouting at her like swearing at her and he's just getting mad. And I'm in the passenger seat now. Listen, I'll be honest, you can get road rage on me. You can go the whole nine yards. I'm probably thinking like, oh man, that guy's got some issues. <laughs> but do that to my wife or to my family and you're in trouble. And then I get out the car and I'm seeing red now. And I'm like, <laughs> I get out. I'm like, what is your problem? What is your problem? And the guy's like, my problem? My problem is that woman almost killed me. And I'm like, guys, nah, we are like two dogs at a face. You know that? I'm like, that woman is my wife. And I am literally seconds away from punching this guy in the nose. Sanctified Pastor Nigel Listen, I was just going to cast out that demon of stupidity by the laying on of hands, you know? That, that, that's, you know, it's just, and I knew it would take several laying on to, to get it out. Literally, I'd already seen in my head where I was going to punch this guy. I was so mad. And I'm about to hit him, and the two of us are up for it. I can see he's ready, man. And we are up for it. And we hear this voice, excuse me, excuse me. And the two of us like, oh, you know when you're in the middle of something, and excuse me, and we both dialed on, and it's Debbie Wonder, excuse me, what's your name? And this guy's like, what? She says, what's your name? He goes, Michael. And she goes, Michael, you're absolutely right. I really should have looked. I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? <laughs> oh. I mean, isn't it just awful when you just totally blow it and then someone shows you how to do it the right way? Yeah? Oh. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. It could have happened to anyone. And he gets on his bike and he cycles away. But all my adrenaline's are up on him to show. Hey, don't cycle away! We haven't finished, buddy! Don't leave me with this, man! Come on! But as he gets a little distance, all the adrenaline drains out of me and then the shame. And let me put it this way there was one of those moments where I just suddenly had a deep revelation of the fact that despite the fact that I've been born again for a long time, I've been in ministry for a long time. Man, it's just a moment away. It's just a moment away. The next day I'm at church. I'm in absolute fear in church because the part, because I was, uh, the pastor has us sit on the stage. 
And I sat on the stage and I'm looking at the audience and I'm in terror. I'm thinking, oh Jesus, please don't humble me that much. <laughs> so any time I've prayed for an unsaved guy not to come to church. <laughs> and I thought, Jesus, please don't humble me that You see, there's a problem with your strength. The problem with your strength is when you rely on your strength to get the work of God done. The reality is, it's not about you. It never was about you. And it never will be about you. If you're relying on your strength to experience the power of God, you are already deceived. Because... It's all about Him coming and partnering with us in our fallibility, brokenness, and weakness. That is the Gospel. The Gospel is that Jesus came and He clothed Himself himself with broken humanity. That is the Gospel. Hmm. Our strengths often keep us from coming to God. God loves all of you. He loves you in your brokenness. He loves you in your, in your, in your doubt. He loves you in your fear. He loves you, he, you know, he, he loves you in your sin. Do you know that God's not afraid of your sin? He's not afraid of your sin. He came to die for your sin. To pay the price for your sin. And to give you the strength to get out of your sin. He doesn't just hand it over and say, okay, there's sin in your life. So now use that, get clean and come talk to me. When you clean? <laughs> that's, that, that's often our impression of how Jesus deals with, with our sins. Like, okay, here, here, here's, here's my blood. No. <laughs> to find. No. He comes and he steps into that broken place. He steps in and clothes us. He says, now we're going to walk together. And I'm going to walk into as you rely on me, as you continue to come back to me, and you say, Lord, I sin, forgive me. He says, okay, I've got this. Trust me. Trust me. Don't be afraid, son. Don't be afraid, daughter. We're going to walk through this. And you know what? That's why, you know, and when you understand this, we'll be less upset when we see people around us fall. You see, the church, we, we've got this weird idolatry. Every time a pastor or a man of God falls, we shocked. Oh, oh my gosh. The human. We thought they weren't. Oh my gosh. He was called Pastor. Actually, he was a puzzle. That means it's impossible to say. How is this happening? He did miracles. Sign me up, Jesus. I'm on that team. Yeah. So, what do we do then? I love this. It says, 
the great heroes of the faith who by faith remain strong by their weakness. How then do we get our weaknesses to experience the power of God? By faith. What does faith look like? Faith looks like I come to you, Lord, and I'm gonna I'm gonna trust you to make in this area an area of strength. You know, all of us have, um, you know, not even talking about sin, you know, just weaknesses. Maybe you have a leadership uh, weakness. I, I know for, for so many years in my, in my leadership style, there were things I would be afraid of and I would try so hard to, to, get, it, uh, to get it right. And after a while, I just realized, Lord, you know, I'm going to do a lot better if I just say, oh Lord, I'm just going to trust you. But you see, the thing that made me afraid was, if I just let go, if I just trust God in this area, am I just going to become a really ugly person? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Where, where you like, can I really trust Him to step in and help me in this area? Or must I continue to use a try order? Try order! If I don't really work at this, it's just going to get mad. No, you know what? There's that place where you get to where you say, Father, I understand that this is an issue. But I've tried so hard to sort it out. But now I'm going to step into faith that you're going to do this in me. You're going to do this in me. And so by faith, we do that. And you know, some of the ways you can, uh, you can do that is you come to the Lord and you surrender. I, I remember when I began to discover soaking. Soaking is an amazing way of running. This, this is a practical application of this principle. I, when I first got into ministry, um, we, were, uh, we were, and there's nothing wrong with this, but how I would pray, you know people would say, you need to pray real hard. I, I never understood what that meant, but from my observation, it was you needed to pray long and loud. Because um, I'm not sure how you pray hard. So how it looked in our prayer meetings was we were like, uh, Michelle was there in those early days. We would be, <laughs> and then I would turn around and say, come on, Michelle, man, come on. You're not praying hard enough. Come on, come on. And then we'd, we'd pray until we, well, the sweat was coming off. And Tisha, I'll tell you what, if you were in one of our prayer meetings and we turned around and you weren't praying, it was, come on, dance, dance a little harder, dance, dance. I literally stopped worship a couple of times in the early days. I'd be like, hey, you, you're not dancing. You, 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 you're hindering the Holy Spirit. Just dance, you know. Like I did it once, I remember that. Yeah. And it, it, it was like, man, you know, we worked to get the attention of Jesus, you know. Because I had this idea that how much, you know, how hard we prayed and how, how much effort we put into it would be the level of anointing and presence that was released. But, but in actual fact, our entire faith was therefore in our works and our performance in how we were praying. And then, when I started encountering God's Holy Spirit, how it actually began was, my wife went through a really difficult time in her life. She had a really difficult time, and she started doing this thing she saw it in the book, where she'd come into the presence of the Lord, and we just acknowledged, we don't know what we need. Everyone be like that in the presence of the Lord? You're like, hi. They say I need a break for an hour. I can't. 
could have ran out of my conversation 30 seconds ago, Jesus. I can only pray for all the lost in China. By name. Mr. Chang, Mr. Chang, Mr. Chang. Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee, Mr. Ho, Mr. Ho, Mr. Ho. I mean, that could get you through an hour, you know, maybe. My son's on the front of me. Dad, Dad, stop it, stop it, Dad. I mean, this guy used to be up in your heart because, you know, you need to pray for an hour. What, what am I meant to do? But, but then Debbie started doing this thing where she'd come into the presence of the Lord and she'd say, Jesus, here I am. I'm here to be with you. Would you give me what I need? And then she'd sit there and she'd explain this was her prayer time. I was like, that's the brain. You can't just say that. I mean, what do you mean, Jesus, here you are? And then she then she said, Jesus, here I am. Come and love me. I, was, I thought that was sacrilegious. I was like, no, 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 you don't know. You are there to love Jesus. You, you need to go in there, jump on his train, and you need to start kissing him. <laughs> I mean, let me smoke. I really love you. I love <laughs> oh jeez, love me, love me, love me. Oh, oh man, that should be half an hour. Five minutes, you're kidding me. <laughs> and then we would do this, and actually, the more she started doing this, the more I started watching my wife's life radically alter and change. I watched this peace coming on her. I, I, I watched her personality shifting, and I thought, I want to try it. And so I started doing it, and to be honest, initially it did not go well. I'd be like, Jesus, here I am. Jesus, maybe you didn't hear me yet. Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of pretty time like that. Jesus, uh, you're probably distracted running the universe to me. Here I am. Jesus, Jesus, are you there? Jesus, Jesus! Yeah, I am. Jesus. And then what would sometimes happen is I'd be Jesus. Oh, I'm Jesus. I'm so sorry. I was there. But you know, a surprising thing began to happen is I just yielded myself to that in a place of, of surrender is that I would say more and more I find that I wake up and I feel his presence all over me. I feel his love my body and continue from here to and I feel his presence I'm like seriously? That worked? You okay? That's amazing. But Lord I, I've got a confession to make it it wasn't tongues. I was snoring. <laughs> And he came because of his goodness and his kindness. And I started to find that more was happening in my life by accident than ever happened deliberately. That I found that as I surrendered and really trusted him, that he would come, that he would be bigger than my weakness, that he, he would be bigger than my shame, he'd be, he'd be, uh, he'd be bigger than my performance. Because let's be honest, our performance in, in the kingdom left to ourselves, we, you know, we're a caricature of, the, of what we really think we are. And then he'd come and he'd just clothe you in his presence. I wouldn't fall asleep every time. Sometimes 
he, I'd just go there into his presence and, and I'd be there and I'd be like, look, here I am. Immediately I'd feel his presence and his love beginning to overwhelm me. And then when I'd get into ministry situations, I'd be far more aware of how intense his love is. And I'd get there and I'd know, man, he, he loves me. And I was thinking far less about all the other things and I'd just know the goodness and the kindness of God. You see, this is the place of power. See, God wants you to be comfortable with your weakness because He's coming to invade all your weakness. To invade that and make that very place, the place where He connects with your life and fills you with His power. If you, if you think of yourself as like a plug that goes into a socket, He's the socket, you're the plug. And you know, those prongs, that's probably the areas where you need to reach into Him the most. So you rest in Him. You suck. You surrender. I'm going to read you some of the, the scriptures associated with weakness. I just, I just love, I love. I mean, Paul. I mean, Paul wrote two thirds of the New Testament, <laughs> and he, he said this. He said, <clears throat> likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we. We don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He, he connects with your weakness. In that very place of your weakness, the Holy Spirit comes and connects. I love it when he came to the Corinthians and he said, he said this, he said, the foolishness of God is, is greater than the wisdom of men. You see, sometimes we're, we're approaching life with all our wisdom. And he says, man, you really need some of my foolishness. Like, you know what? You know what this girl really needs? This lady, you know what she really needs? She needs you to lay lips on her forehead. Just give her a kiss. I'm thinking, no, Jesus, I don't want to do that. I don't even know this lady. This is a bit weird. It's odd. And yet he comes and he does something in my foolishness that Turn the life around. I, I could have sat with her and counseled her about daddy issues and done all my wisdom and you know, I got crazy. Crazy. Trust me, you don't want to come to me for counseling. <laughs> so, so it's not one of my strengths. No, 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 one of my strengths. And but God comes and in a moment of just as He comes and does something. I love it. Another uh, uh, when when He was preaching to the Corinthians, He said, "And I was with you." in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, so many of us, we, we, we're looking for wisdom, eloquence, etc. But Paul says, no, I don't want your faith to rest in me. I want your faith to rest in the power of God. Amen? You are not disqualified from moving in the power and the presence of God because there's weakness and areas of weakness. What does disqualify you is pride. Because God resists the pride, but He gives grace to the humble. So step up to the plate with your weakness, with your fear, with your trembling. Step up and say, Lord, here I am. All of you. All of you, I give myself to you. Would you please use me? And he will. He is so kind. He is so good. Then we almost there. We landed the plane.
Maybe he's writing three times this week. That's what he, that's what he means, I'm sure. <laughs> Has anyone ever pleaded with the Lord about an area of weakness more than three times? I mean, I, I'm actually, I've only just seen that now. That's amazing. <laughs> you've got the message up to three times. Wow. <clears throat> that it should lead me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I want to encourage you to come before the Lord in all of who you are. In all of who you are. Realize that He wants to invade your life. He wants to invade those areas that you're ashamed of. Those areas that you hide from other people. Those areas where you're just not good at things. Even those areas of sin, you, you need to understand He's not afraid of your sin. He died for your sin and He's paid the full price that you might be forgiven. And when we come and we bring those areas to the Lord, He says, I'm going to perfect myself in that very area. I'm not asking you to get it perfect. I'm going to perfect my power in your area. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Every other gospel is a gospel of self-help. Our gospel is a gospel of surrender to God and His life in Him. We hope you have enjoyed this message from Nigel Desmond. For more information, please visit nigelanddebbie.org.